Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Atlanta United's winning streak finally came to an end against our old foes in the New York Red Bulls, but another cross-country trek with a matchup against a red-hot Real Salt Lake is on the horizon. Can Atlanta United get things back together? We discuss all that and more next. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. You can now also find all our content on the Ginico USA platform anywhere in the world on Amazon Fire TV, Roku, iOS, Google Play, and many other streaming platforms. So guys and gals, a very frustrating night overall. It's a 1-0 loss to the New York Red Bulls and Atlanta United have not scored at Red Bull Arena in our history. And uh, this is all just very frustrating stuff to hear, of course. But uh, I think the way it started off, I mean, we were on the front foot a little bit. We were able to uh, look like we were creating some chances that uh, if we had just been a little bit more clinical and, um, you know, it might have been a different story. But uh, some almost balls, uh, some, you know, PT almost playing in Joseph. Joseph uh, maybe overplaying it. Uh, and, you know, he gets tackled in the box by Amro Tarek. Uh, and then, of course, you have the, um, yeah, just when, uh, when there's the red card on Tim Parker, and, uh, you know, which I think is justified. He is uh, outside the box. He is the last man. And, uh, yeah, he is, Joseph, completely hindered from getting, you know, a proper shot. Uh, if he, you know, if he wasn't red carded uh, or if he wasn't fouled there, he probably would have had a better shot on goal because he would have been able to go, any way he wanted to. But uh, yeah, it ends up going right at Robles, and yeah, it's, uh, you know, our chances, I think after that, kind of go by the wayside. We really have really pretty, uh, just barren chances, uh, and it ends up really only being two, you know, shots on goal from us in the game. Um, yeah, not fantastic, but then of course, uh, with that red card, you get that, uh, you know, kind of game state completely changing. Absolutely. And, and But the thing that you have to remember is that they hit the crossbar in, what, the first 90 seconds of the game? They cut right through Atlanta's defense yeah. and had a shot that went off the crossbar and could have easily been 1-0 basically from kickoff. Mm -hmm. So the warning signs were there from the get-go that this is a team, even if they are missing a Bradley Wright Phillips, they can score. They're dangerous. A Royer is dangerous. A Kaku is dangerous. They have dangerous players. But Atlanta United still created some chances at 11 v 11. Mm -hmm. Joseph Martinez had, what, two great chances really to, to really score and put that game in Atlanta United's control. And for what feels like the millionth time this season, uh -huh. he fluffed his lines, which yeah. is something that's really weird from the goal, from the you know all-time season goal score that you saw last year. Maybe he's lacking confidence. I don't know what it is. I, but I think it's a, a combination of uh, maybe the confidence because the ball isn't going in, but it's also the different types of chances that we're actually getting. That's fair, but he so, was one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. He oh was one-on-one yeah. -on -one with the keeper, oh yeah. and I would, mm -hmm. last season, if Joseph Martinez gets that chance, he's mm -hmm. buried. Nine out of 10 times. When That's he gets the when ball in those places. He's confident. That's when he's, you know, he's seen uh, already three hat tricks, you know, during the season. Even so, thing, he was right? doing that in his first season as well. He's sure. a goal scorer. He was almost a goal a game man his first two mm -hmm. seasons in Major League Soccer. He's a good enough player, and he's been consistent enough that he should be taking those chances. He has earned, it, it sounds weird, he has earned the criticism because sure. he has been so good that when he is consistently missing chances, you are used to a standard and a level that he's getting. Whether or not the chance is the same, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. He is one-on-one -on -one facing the goalkeeper. Yeah. He should bury them. And that's fine. I, I don't know whether it's, I don't know what it is, but I expect mm -hmm. him to take that. And if he takes those chances, again, different game. But as far as Atlanta United were concerned, 11 men created some okay chances, 10 men created no chances. And that's the thing that keeps happening is that, are Atlanta United winning? Yes. But are they finishing off goal scoring opportunities? No. Oh, that's a resounding no. And that's, again, to the quality of chances probably and the types of chances that we're getting. Um, yeah, it's very different from last year because you, uh, you know, you had a Miggy Almiron in the team. And so those type of chances are really, you know, quick counters. Uh, you have those one-on-ones or, you know, you have a Miggy shooting from distance and, uh, you know, Joseph can uh, poach from there as well if he, if he needed. And so, uh, you know, it's a lot different from you know, Joseph having to take a shot from outside the box or uh, having to beat a couple of guys without any other options. No one's 
up there running with him to give him an option sometimes, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot different. definitely different chances, but Joseph so has been one-on-one -on -one with keepers oh yeah. numerous times this season. That's not to he forgive not, any of these He should match. not be missing those chances. I'm saying this them. is probably the difference in this season and last two seasons. And so, you know, that, that could be the case. Uh, but, uh, you know, either way, let's get to where the game really changed. And yeah, New York Red Bulls got their goal. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's go ahead and break this down because I think for me, it's just a systematic failure. Uh, failure. Yeah, exactly. All the lines pretty much fell asleep. Uh, you have Loretowitz and Nagby chasing here, and you have uh, Shea also, you know, there are three guys around one guy, none of them, one can't get in front of them, goal side, anything. They're able to just, you know, pass it out to Royer. Royer has all the time in the world to pick out the pass, and yeah, he finds the rookie, yeah, and uh, yeah, Tom Barlow is able to uh, head it to the back post, beat Guzan, uh, and it's, yeah, you have Miles Robinson and Franco Escobar, probably a little bit of miscommunication here. You have Guzan, probably culpable as well. Uh, you have just, it's, you know, everywhere across the line. It just has to be better, but, uh, you know, it's still, we only concede one in, in this match, I guess. Yeah, the, it's, the caveat. It's, 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 you only concede one, but you finally conceded one. And when you finally conceded one, you lost. Yeah. And in this match, in this particular instance, I can give a bit of of a way out to say a Nagby who's trying to close the ball down, but he did have the last match off, so yep. he should be a bit more rested than that and be able to close the ball down successfully, especially when you should be able to conserve more energy because you're now playing against 10 men. Mm -hmm. So he tries to get out there late, you have the miscommunication, but for me personally, the one person that I can't blame tiredness on is Brad Guzan. Because as far as I'm concerned, this is terrible goalkeeping. You have to make a decision. He is experienced enough to know either to stay on his line, which if he does, he saves that ball easily, it goes right to him, or come for it. It hung up in the air so long, maybe he doesn't catch it, but maybe he gets a punch on it. Instead, he doesn't make up his mind, which he's done before. He's stands there, back goes forward, backpedals, and then tries to run over. If you see your keeper running across the goal line chasing after, after the ball, that's never a good sign. And almost always that means the keeper had poor positioning or did something incorrectly. And on this one, I can't say that the goalkeeper was tired because he's been standing there mostly doing nothing for the past five matches because the defense hasn't given up too many chances against him. Right. So this again, it's still a systematic team failure to give away a goal. And in my opinion, to lose one nil, even if it is to a Red Bulls team that has been good, they haven't been great this season. They're missing some of their best players. They had the, their most experienced defender on the day see a straight red in the first half. Mm -hmm. And you can't even muster up a shot on target in the second half. You can't even get a single goal against a team that isn't even at full strength and yep. is a man down. This was the chance to get three points against Red Bulls. The, it was there and uh -huh. they didn't take it. Yeah, and I, I think the, the difference is when you do play against a 10 man side, it is uh, sometimes a lot more difficult in that sense when yeah, you have that type of aspect where um, you know it was a little bit more back and forth in the you know you know early part of the match. Later on, when uh, they know that okay, uh, you know we're gonna you know smash and grab. You know now we don't really need to uh, really try to get a result because before coming in, they probably saw yeah you know like a nil nil draw or like a one one. You know we're actually good because you know the state in which we're in, we're missing a lot of guys, um, you know, they didn't have to go for it. And for us, when we go down a man, we have to go for it pretty much. And that's what's tough is that, you know, we, we're pushing for it. Obviously, a lot of us are pushed up. That's probably why they're all almost out of position to really even, um, you know, I think you would normally see Loretowitz probably a little bit more central, not having to chase him as much, and he would be a little bit more positionally sound but uh, definitely was well, not the case. Well, pushing both fullbacks, which yeah. makes complete sense. Like, if mm -hmm. anyone, I, I don't think anyone has, but if anyone wants to go out and criticize, you know, a Breck Shea or an Escobar for a goal like this, it's not their fault. Like, they are pushed up because we're trying to get a goal against 10 men. My yeah. problem is that, in a sense, Atlanta had two separate time periods in the match mm -hmm. against 10 men. They had the 15 minutes or so right after he got sent off in the yep. first half where Red Bulls were going to struggle to make adjustments and they had to make them on the fly. Yeah, that's when they Nothing had to was go created. for the throw. That was the moment where they aren't going to go in. They have to, at halftime, you know they will be able to talk, yep. sit, figure out what they want to do. 
You had 15 minutes where you should have just going for them full blast. Yep. And nothing happened because you know at halftime they're going to make those adjustments, which Atlanta United should have made their own and said, okay, Frank DeBoer is smart enough. He's managed enough games at the highest level to know this is most likely how they are going to play now that they have 10 men. Mm -hmm. And Atlanta United had no ideas. And again, I'm not saying tiredness is a factor here yep. because they were up a man. Yeah, and if it, you're up a man, it can't um, be tiredness. Yeah, and arguably the, the chances were uh, and the ideas were worse in the second half because the the first half we were playing through balls we were playing balls at the top uh we were definitely trying some different things obviously the space is different and so at the you know latter part of the match it's just balls being pumped in from the wings and just recycled around and then pumped in from the wings again trying to find a guy that uh yes can win a lot of headers in the box but you're still if he's trying to do it through traffic it's not gonna you know hit his head every single time it's just you know, kind of physically impossible. And the delivery consistently. And I'm going to say it, PC Martinez was poor in this game. And oh, that yeah. could be down to tiredness. But his mm -hmm. delivery from set pieces was atrocious. His corners were terrible. I mean, he could not put a yeah. decent ball into the box for anyone not his best to get their sure. head on. I mean, again, it's not solely his fault. He he was but many and also, who were poor. Yeah, but it, you have to take advantage of set pieces. There was yeah. corner after corner after corner after corner in the yeah. second half. And none of them, none of them, could get a shot on target off anything, whether it yeah. was a second ball or the first. No one could do anything off a set piece. And I, I think uh, what what was you know kind of one positive was that Dion Pereira coming in. You saw him uh, give that energy running to the byline, and it could be because yeah, he's got the freshest legs, and he's still a fairly technical player as well. That uh, you know he was able to uh, maybe almost create some chances from there. Uh, they didn't quite come off, but uh, I think. You know, is the lack of runners, which is kind of the lack of energy. Um, you know, I think also bringing on a Romario Williams so late, I think, is not really all that helpful. Um, you know, I think you needed to bring someone that could maybe make that third man run. So, okay, yeah, you have a Dion Pereira run to the byline. Then who's going to make that run inside the box? Uh, you know, to get you those chances. It just wasn't there, but um, Nagby. I don't care. Someone has. To, if you're up a man, you have the ability to push yeah. someone into the there box. There should be and, someone. And yeah, there unmarked. Was, <laughs> there was never, never an opportunity to do that, and right. there just the movement wasn't there. It, it just it was stale. There were no ideas, and it was just recycled ball possession. And yeah. it's it's a problem that's underpinned the entire mm. winning streak that Atlanta United has had. Yes, was it the a quality ability has been. It, it has, has it, was so, it a great streak? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The points were needed. They put they put results on the board. Yeah. But there were issues the whole time. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing was Atlanta United wasn't conceding, but it also wasn't scoring a lot of goals. Right. And finally had the opportunity where they could really put a statement down and they fluffed their lines. They gave up a goal against 10 men and they couldn't create any chances. And they lost 1-0 against a depleted Red Bull side that aren't as good as they have been. Yeah. And for me, that's a really big opportunity missed. Yeah, and I think when you have as many goals scored as you have games, there's it's kind of very mediocre. Yeah, you know? a goal a game is not, that's, that's, a, that's a, what is it, a quick mass, 100% drop off? Because if we're scoring sure. 70 goals uh -huh. a season and we score 34, that's 100%. So that's inexcusable as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. I get that, you know, it's different, but yeah. you st it, it'd be different if you didn't have goal scorers. This is a team full of attackers, mm -hmm. full of players who can put the ball in the back of the net. Why are there not more goals being scored? Yeah. I mean, how many times now, that's three times on the road Atlanta has been blank mm -hmm. this season, DC, Columbus, and this, where you right. have no goals, barely any shots on target. I mean... It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, you know, indictment on the players as well as the coaching staff. So it's just a matter of... You know, things need to be figured out quick in terms of uh, how we can, you know, get these players trained to be a little bit more clinical. Or if they cannot, then, you know, changes need to be made. I mean, you know, bringing new players, whatever it is, something needs to happen. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I think that, honestly, I still think that even though Atlanta has been playing better, I think the way the season started, the preseason, everything, yeah. I just don't think that this team has still had the ability to gel. Yeah. I'm hoping that this month-long international break mm -hmm. could be a really good opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. You will have some players staying, you'll have some players going, mm -hmm. but you'll still have a lot of players here. You have to take advantage of that time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they'll get some rest, but that that could be a second chance at a preseason mm -hmm. that you don't often get. 
And that's going to be really important because if they can figure out how to really start gelling and making these chances count, then they're gonna be there because yeah. clearly the defense is good enough. Yeah, and we're still not that far off from first in the East, and that uh, speaks to how poor the East is, probably or mediocre, uh, because yeah, DC and Philly, uh, they haven't broken away with anything uh, at all, and uh, you know, we're very, very close in terms of, uh, you know, if we, uh, was it three uh, points behind DC? Uh, how many points were we under Philadelphia? Four or five? I mean, if Atlanta wins the next three games before the international break and there's three remaining, you have yeah. Real Salt Lake, Chicago, and Minnesota. Minnesota and Chicago are flipped. Right. But you have those three matches. Mm -hmm. If you win all three and Philly drops any points whatsoever, yep. Atlanta is in first place going into the international and break. No one could have predicted that the East would be so poor. I mean, I think uh, most people probably at least had, well, of course, Atlanta uh, tr probably trying to break away if uh, if you know things had gone perfectly, uh, you know, dreamingly. But uh, I think uh, most people had DC probably as that team that would probably be the beast of the East, and it really hasn't been the case either. Uh, they've Toronto's been, been inconsistent. Flattering to deceive as well, and so yeah, I mean, you know, you have. And Montreal, like being the surprise, I think in the East, uh, as well as Philly, of course. But um, you know, without uh, you know their their main guy as well. I mean, that's no know. one's doing anything outstanding. <laughs> which means that as much as you know, I'm venting my frustrations over this. It's another reason why I'm so disappointed in this result. It's because had you said we lost one 0 against eleven men, I'd say okay, that's fine. I, I get it. It's sure. annoying. But losing to ten men is inexcusable for me. Yeah, Hardness or not, I think this, this team's in. good enough against that Red Bull team that's yeah. been depleted, good enough to win. So for me, it's disappointing to see a loss like that mm -hmm. with the conditions yeah. as they happened. But that relative being said, to that, yeah. Um, that being said, mm -hmm. somehow, despite as poor as Atlanta has been, they still have a great chance to finish top spot in the East. And that yeah. is mind-blowing. Yeah, in the, in the past, uh, you know, six games, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's we had 12 points out of 15. I mean, at least that. And then, you know, uh, or 12 out of 18 if you want to look at the six games. Sorry. But, uh, you know, that's still a very, very, very solid record. Um, so I think when you have that and then you have, um, you know, the expectations, I think, you know, this month with uh, just the fixture congestion, I think we would have taken that. And I think also going in, circling in, uh, you know, this date, on the calendar before the year started, it's like, yeah, we probably would have taken a uh, point at Red Bulls or probably conceded that we probably wouldn't get anything because that's just kind of the historic part of uh, you know playing at Red Bull Arena. We just can't score for whatever reason. That's what, um, four games, no goals? Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, it's uh, of course very, very annoying. And then, of course, you have the uh, fracas at the end of the match, um, you have Kamar Lawrence. That was dumb. Who uh, is barking at Tito Vijalba, and Tito gets up, you know, barks back. And uh, I think, you know, much has been made from uh, New York Rebels fans that, oh, you know, Kamar Lawrence, uh, you know, there was the meme of uh, Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, standing over Frazier and how, uh, you know, the similarities or whatnot. There but were no similarities. There were no similarities because once Tito got up, and started to do a little bit of chest bump. Yeah, Kamar immediately, you know, got a little bit, uh, got a little bit afraid, and you know, started to back away, and you know, like, oh, you know, I'm. I'm. To be fair, Kamar Lawrence had an incredible. Game he had an for incredible them. match, and so he... did Maria. Both of their fullbacks sure. were absolutely outstanding. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the person who had the right to talk the most trash that game would have been Maria because mm -hmm. he did a job on Tito that game. He yeah. was really good in the first half, mm -hmm. and whenever Tito played on the left of the attack, he yeah. was really good. But Kamar Lawrence was an absolute unit. He's mm -hmm. a dickhead for the way that he acted at the end, in my opinion, but he's still a player that if you offered him the chance, I'd take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, no, and that, that's the thing too. It's like, it fired up their fans. I think uh, in the end, um, you know, this is kind of like, a, you know, a good thing, like passion-wise for the league. Yeah, it, it, uh, this is a rivalry. Yeah, 100%. exactly. It, you can tell that, you know, at least it's getting really heated between the players and between the fans on social media, that's for sure. It's uh, The fans themselves are absolutely lovely. Yeah, yeah, you guys had a little trip up there. We'll get to that maybe in a second. But, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, the end of that match, yeah, getting to that, where Tito, like a legend, is raising... Uh, his hands like, yes, you know, we have an MLS Cup, what do you have? We lifted the Eastern Conference trophy on your grounds, 
what do you have? Um, yeah, you guys have some supporter shields, but, you know, we beat you on your grounds to win a trophy. So, you know, that's... Uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the, the whole of it, it went on for a while. Um, there were actually a few little things that came out of that. We'll get into that in the news. Uh, some suspensions, or not suspensions, uh, some fines. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, all in all, I think uh, it's a... Frustrating match for us, of course. They get the, you know, the three points. But I think, uh, you know, in terms of the optics of MLS, it kind of, uh, you know, gives some excitement, especially for that July match against them. Here, it's going to be, I think, uh, there's going to be a lot more people. That's for certain. Yeah, there's going to be, yeah, a lot more people. Some fireworks, probably for sure, on and off the pitch. But um, yeah, so let's uh, let's get to the post-match quotes and uh, what was said a little bit. And uh, Frank DeBoer, he uh, yeah, pretty much kind of echoed a lot of uh, you know what has been said you know already, or we have echoed rather. But um, yeah, that it was very sloppy, uh, lack of concentration, maybe tiredness. Uh, he thinks it's 100% fatigue, um, and so yeah, he's gonna give. The, uh, the team a couple of days off so they can get mentally and physically ready for Real Salt Lake. Um, you know, asked if the red card was more of a curse or a blessing. Um, yeah, I mean, he really wanted to, uh, you know, kind of get at the throat of the Red Bulls. And, you know, he thought that we should have done better. I agree. Um, and he thinks the fatigue, if, you know, if they were more fresh, they would probably be able to uh, do a lot better and get a result there, but also um, he kind of criticized the fact that in the one-on-one -on -one situations, Atlanta uh -huh. added we're not good enough in this yeah. match, and that's something that I expect Atlanta added to be better at. Yes, they have good players; their fullbacks both had incredible games, but I'm expecting a Tito Vijalba to beat his man. I'm expecting yeah. a PT Martinez to beat his man. Neither could do that this game. Yep. Joseph Martinez had his chances, but when he was one-on-one, -on -one, he couldn't beat his man. Yep. And that's something that if you're against 10 men, you just have to make one guy miss and that can pull everyone out of position. And yep. Atlanta, we're incapable of doing that. And it's, true. it's frustrating when, if you have, if you lack the quality of player to do so, mm -hmm. then you can understand. But the quality is there. The execution just wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Parkhurst had a little bit to say after the match as well and asked on the rivalry between the two teams. He said, I mean, all the games are always physical and intense, but we were upset with how Lawrence stood over Tito at the end of the game and barked at him. Just don't think there's a need for that. Uh, and also asked on if uh, they were able to, you know, not being able to take advantage of the red card. He said, yeah, we just weren't clean enough tonight. Too many sloppy passes, too many missed passes, missed crosses. They sat back deep and didn't do a good job of putting pressure in behind them and... We didn't have enough runners in behind, I didn't think. Trying to stretch the line and create small openings in front of their center backs. Credit to them, it was difficult to break down, but we've faced that type of defense before, and we need to do a much better job of moving the ball quicker side to side and opening things up. I think that, you know, uh, pretty much, yeah, I think outlines it completely that, uh, you know, they feel like they weren't good enough. They probably felt like they wanted to do more. Maybe it was mind over body um, type of thing. Body doesn't do what the mind wants to do. And it's, uh, you know, the muscle memory isn't quite being pulled off when, you know, the just the fatigue is uh, so strong after that many games in a row, uh, you know, just three days rest. It's, it's really, really tough, but. And the travel um, definitely doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help, but. I don't think it's a, a, a massive excuse. It's not. Because, I mean, it, yes, again, you know, we all would have taken probably a point out of this match, and, you know, it's just very unfortunate that we, um, you know, we concede that goal. But, um, yeah, I think uh, in terms of uh, wrapping up this match, I mean, it's all in all, um, you know, a frustrating uh, thing to see, of course. But you guys had a kind of very uh, wonderful trip going up there because, uh, you know, you guys got to see uh, the Cooligans, our buddies there, and uh, also get to check out the MLS Studios, which we'll have uh, a vlog and some videos for uh, coming up very soon. I was not able to make the trip, obviously, as you saw our fan cams after the match, uh, and you guys were at Rebel Arena, but yeah, 
kind of talk about uh, the trip a little bit. Yeah, it was it was a it was a blast. Minus you know some of the lack of sleep and everything, but it, it was it was really good to get up to see uh, the Cooligan Studio in Madison Square Garden. The podcast that Kelly J and Deb did with them was hilarious. There was a great studio audience. Atlanta was repping very hard there. It was good to see a lot of the we'll people. We'll link that below. There's a lot of yeah. It was good to see a lot of people that I've seen either at the store, at the tailgate, in the games. You know, up at uh, Madison Square Garden to see that. So that was a blast. Then we met our friend E from the High Press Podcast, which is a Red Bull podcast up there. We recorded a special for Unrelegated, which is up um, on their podcast feed now. That was a whole lot of fun. Great dude. A lot of, uh, there was a lot of banter in that one. It was a fun one to record. Uh, so that was a good time. Tried a bunch of pizza joints that Alexis recommended to us. He is a pizza aficionado. So if you ever have a question about pizza in New York, tweet at that man and he will absolutely let you know where to go off the top. Uh, Scars in the Lower East Side was really good. And there was another place over in Brooklyn named L'Industry um, because it was, used to be a French cafe and it's too mm -hmm. expensive to rename it. That place was really good as well. And I'm forgetting the one that's in Harlem that we went to, that we went to twice actually, uh, Soda Casa, that one. It's like under a church. We were parked right in front of it one time. Did not even see it because it's down in like a little basement area. Yep. I got the pizza I wanted. I got some pastrami. That was dope. The city was incredible. The trip was incredible. The Red Bulls fans were actually really nice just before the game. They showed us some great hospitality, all sorts of food, steak. It was good stuff. The only negative being the result, but it's definitely a trip that I'd love to make again. There's some great people up there and who knows, we play NYCFC at the end of the season and maybe we'll be able to make another trip up there and right. go see the other team in New York and hopefully get three points this time. Yeah, but also some insight into getting to their stadium. You can maybe see oh. why they have so few fans there. Yes, so we joked about this in the unrelegated uh, podcast that we did with E from the High Press podcast and <laughs> It kind of comes down to is like a lot of the fans are in New York and I joked with them I was like so they just don't want to go to Jersey and it's kind of the point because driving there is almost a non-starter because it's not necessarily getting to New Jersey from New York it's getting back yeah. that is incredibly difficult with traffic whether you're going through the tunnel or you're going over the George Washington Bridge it's tough and in terms of train there it can get kind of expensive to consistently do it because you have to take a train from Penn Station to Harrison it's a quick train trip mm -hmm. from the city to there but the problem is is depending on what borough you're coming from you have to travel all the way down to Penn Station and then get all the way over there. It's like it's a lot of travel and a lot of effort to get to a stadium for a soccer game. Yeah. Meanwhile, NYCFC can get to, to Yankee Stadium in 20, 30 minutes tops, but you know to get to Red Bull Arena, it's going to take an hour or possibly even more. And there's not a lot of fans of the team in New Jersey because when they were the Metro Stars, a lot of the fans came from, one, from the five boroughs. So there's this weird disconnect there that if you're gonna invest that much time to get somewhere, there's so much to do in New York City right. that maybe Red Bulls just isn't that it's high up the list. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, it completely makes sense, but... Uh, it's frustrating to see, though, yeah. because it's an amazing arena, mm -hmm. and if you have the chance to go up there and go to a match there, I highly recommend it, because in terms of soccer arenas in this country, it's going to be near the top of that list. It's big, even though everything's close to the pitch. Even if you're in the back row of the second tier, you're still really close to the pitch. You have a great view. There is not a bad seat in the house, not to mention they have Breeze House, which has incredible empanadas. So it's like, you got those as well. You empanadas, really can't man. go wrong. But uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, super happy you guys got to make the trip. I was very sad that I did not make the trip, but um, you know, I think next time we will all do it. Uh, it'll be a grand old time. But uh, let's move on into the news and uh, some kind of holdover from that match is that Romario Williams, Kamar Lawrence, and Tom Barlow were fined undisclosed fees for their involvement in the uh, the fracas, putting hands to face. Uh, now, penalty in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in terms of uh, Kamar Lawrence and Tom Barlow, I mean, this is in a the most unbiased way possible. I think they, I think, deserve this. Romario, he's trying to get a person uh, holding Tito. I think, you know, he's just trying to help and he pushed the other guy away. I think it might have been a little high and then I guess he gets, uh, you know, a fine. But I think it's a little bit ridiculous that he gets fined for that when he's not really trying to fight anybody. Yeah, he's, he's just, just trying, trying to, to stop it. He's trying to be a peacemaker, but yeah. it is what it is. Next bit of news though is PT Martinez has not made the Argentina squad for the Copa America. 
it's both a good and a bad thing. It's bad in that it would have been a great place for him to, you know, show what he can do. In my opinion, it's a good thing because that man needs some time off. He needs a rest. I would rather be selfish and say, I want him to perform an MLS and that be his shop window. I can understand why he himself would be disappointed, but I would like him to just come home, kick his feet up for a couple weeks, relax, enjoy mm -hmm. so he can be recovered for the rest of the season because he still looks absolutely knackered. Yeah, he, he definitely looks tired. and I think uh, his form hasn't helped him in getting a call, but uh, in terms of I mean, he he's probably very upset for not making. He's probably distraught right now. Uh, at least hope, you know, his family's here and that's good for maybe at least uh, you know, absolving a little bit of those feelings maybe uh, in the small short term until the games happen and I'm, I'm, of course I'm sure he's going to be uh, I don't know I don't know if he's going to be all watching all I'm saying is maybe but, he can use uh, the frustration for yeah, not for making sure. it to put it back into his game to of start course. kicking ass in the second half of course of course yeah and th that's what we want him to, to do and to use this as uh, a way to just torch the league afterwards because he is just so uh, you know motivated and you know, wanting to also prove those Argentinian naysayers wrong, that, uh, you know, they probably are saying, oh, because, and I think I've seen some of the, the journalists on Twitter saying, yeah, I mean, you move to MLS, you won't get the call up to Argentina. And I think uh, this is that way that he needs to, to use this to um, really put it in their face. But um, also, yeah, uh, you know, it, it was a birthday for Jose Martinez and uh, happy birthday to him. Uh, he is the GOAT and uh, yeah, Labanda and a whole bunch of people uh, were... I'm not really sure where they were, but they I think were... it was his new house that he moved to. Because the pool, he, I know he has a pool mm -hmm. in his backyard now that he's posted on social media yeah. and stuff, so it might have been his place. Right, exactly. And either way, uh, a lot of everybody's hanging out. Uh, you have Mohamed Sanu from Atlanta Falcons also. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, it looked like uh, a really, really fun time. He's got hot green shorts, uh, you know, only that Joseph. Seems, that seems very on brand for Only him. Joseph could... Uh, for, could rock those probably. Getting um into some more international news though, Darlington Nagby, Brad Guzan, and most importantly, in my opinion, because he damn well deserves it, Miles Robinson have all made the 40-man preliminary roster for the US men's national team for the Gold Cup. This isn't the final roster, mm -hmm. but I'll be damned if Miles Robinson isn't in that squad. I just it'll be difficult for me to get behind the U.S. men's national team because he's been a unit this season, mm -hmm. even though he's a bit mildly culpable for that goal against Red Bulls. He Overall, has been one yeah. of the best defenders in Major League Soccer this season mm -hmm. and possibly the best for Atlanta United, and he absolutely deserves to be a part of that team. Yeah, and uh, I think it's great to see Greg Berhalter, you know, see that and, you know, want to incorporate that into his team. Uh, especially, yeah, I mean, you know, he likes a possession-based system. Miles is coming from a possession-based system. Seems like hand in glove. Yeah, right. But uh, let's move on. And uh, our former player, the right back, right wing back, Salzizo, has officially retired. He announced so, and uh, he's kind of the uh, MLS, uh, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, uh, for MLS, he's been around a lot. He's kind of like legendary in some parts in KC and, uh, you know, uh, a little bit in Portland for, I think, the like uh, the steak burgers or something that he used to make over there. He's he's a legend in some parts. And so, he's an MLS guy. Yeah, he's an MLS guy through and through, and he's finally uh, retired, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. Uh, but let's move on to, uh, so there's a watch party that uh, you know will be for the Women's World Cup final that will be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yes, a la last season where the Men's World Cup Final was played before the match. This will be a similar case. Last season we played Seattle. That was frustrating, but it'll be open to watch the Women's World Cup Final. Hopefully Team USA is playing in that final, but it'll be open before the match on July 7th against the New York Red Bulls. So if you want to get in and watch the match on the Halo board, welcome to do so. Exactly. That's awesome. Uh, and that's great to see. Uh, I think 
with uh, Atlanta United's post, uh, I think on Instagram at least, uh, it probably fooled some people into thinking, oh, are we getting a women's team at NWSL? All team? I'm saying is this would be yeah. a good opportunity Sucks, to say if you wanted to launch one, to launch one. Yeah. But I feel like we probably would have heard a bit more in terms of the yeah. rumor mill about that if that was the case. Exactly. They wouldn't have just plopped it and then like, bam, there it is. But uh, I think they want to at least drum up some of that. Uh, so let's that pull hype. that thing up and maybe it's like, oh, wow, there is an interest in women's football here, which yeah. there is. Yeah. And then they can put an Atlanta women's team in the NWSL. So there's another team from this wonderful city that beats teams from Florida. Yes, indeed, that would be awesome. Uh, but guys, let's move on to the transfer rumors. And there's one big one this week where Tito Bijalba has been linked back with his uh, former club, San Lorenzo. Uh, and, you know, it's a club that he spent from, uh, you know, his time as a youth to 2016. Uh, and then when he, you know, left them, went to us, but he went on loan to Tijuana and then finally to us, of course. But uh, this rumor is per the journalist Hernan Castillo, and he mentioned it on TNT Sports LA. And, uh, you know, yes, often there are uh, journalists in Argentina that like to uh, create, yeah, create rumors and whatnot and, you know, like narratives about players and whatnot, but... Uh, basically, it has said that, and he has said that Tito Bijalba is interested in, uh, you know, leaving Atlanta United and returning to San Lorenzo. Now, if that is the case or not, it is just sad news that we don't want to hear at all, uh, because I think uh, most of the fans want to keep Tito Bijalba uh, as a five strike. But, you know, understandably, I think uh, if there were some cases of you know, he doesn't have enough playing time sometimes because he maybe sees the writing on the wall that Ezekiel Barco, if he came back in, he and Gressel probably would be the two guys that would, um, you know, be bouncing in and out of the uh, starting 11 because, yeah, I mean, at PT Martinez, you're not probably going to sit your $15 million man. And uh, so that's very difficult. And so he kind of sees that, okay. But I think also, though, I think... He may not be seeing like his ultimate value in this team. Uh, you know, he is. Uh, if he's not started, he's the first one off the bench in terms of uh, he can sub Joseph Martinez. He can he play, can play on anywhere wing. across the front line. Yeah. He is a complete attacker in that yeah. he is flexible in playing in any position. For me, I think. He this, scares most defenses yes, in MLS. He's one of the most yeah. dangerous threats Atlanta has in terms of being direct and running yeah. at people. I think for me. I can understand if he was frustrated and wanted to leave. Yeah. I don't see San Lorenzo as a possibility yeah. because they don't have the money to pay his wages or to pay the transfer fee. And yeah. Atlanta would, would break need, their transfer record. Atlanta added needs um, what I'd say. I think we talked about four to five million to break even on him as a player. Yeah, and, and I think you want to sell him, uh, you know, probably to a European team or to a Mexican about, side, or even. Mexican side. Yeah, for like you know, ten million something around there to really make it worth our while. Otherwise. Us doing the deal doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but either way... But he's um, not playing up to that as well, which yeah. is the other side of He's also not getting the ultimate... Uh, he has been playing recently, though, and he's been playing a lot yes. of matches, and he's had the minutes, and he yeah. he's he played well against Orlando, and he's had his moments where he's been good, but if he wants a move to a side that can afford to pay for him, it also kind of goes back onto him as well, because mm -hmm. he is a goal scorer, he has been able to score double-digit goals, and that's mm -hmm. something that... It goes with, along with the rest of Atlanta United. They need to start taking more advantage of their opportunities and scoring goals more right. often. And if that's the case, then he needs to start converting those chances. And if he can convert those chances and start doing that, then he earns him the ability to move wherever he wants to to a degree because now he has that value. Mm. Right now, his past has that value, but as of this yeah. season, it's not there. And most clubs care about what you're doing for me lately, not just what you did in the past. Yeah, and it's also, you know, his uh, contract bought, got bought down and from being a DP to a TAM player. And so, uh, you know, he may, may be looking for that next payday. Who knows, this is speculation here. And so, um, you know, in terms of this rumor, um, there may just be all smoke. It may not actually be a fire to it, but um, you know it's a wait and see. But either way, I think for me personally, I do not want to see Tito Bijalba go at all um, because he's too I think, good. Yeah, he's, he's too good. He's too good for the, and he's uh, you know he's a valuable cog in this team. But uh, let's move on to Atlanta United two. They played to a, another one-one draw uh, this time at uh, against Swell Park Rangers at Children's Mercy Park. 
Lawrence Wyke with another goal, uh, kind of a uh, kind of a poacher's goal a little bit uh, in the box, uh, swinging it with his left foot, hitting it near post, beating the keeper. But um, yeah, congratulations again to uh, Wyke for uh, getting his second professional goal. But that does it for the news. Let's get into the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Jan Harloff. I think that's how you pronounce it. Does the MLS season pause during the Gold Cup? Yes and no. Um, so Atlanta United will have 25 days off from the June 1st match until it's the next match on the 26th. That being said, MLS has this weird thing where sometimes it'll have teams play games during international breaks because, well, it's MLS. So as far as Atlanta United is concerned, yes, we have an international break, but I'm pretty sure there's a couple of odds and ends games scattered through there because, well, the MLS hates itself. Yeah. Um, and next question comes from Sheaves77. What do you think is wrong with our attack? Is it creating quality chances or finishing? Finishing, I think. And maybe it's mostly confidence. finishing, yeah. I think it's, you know, you get that confidence from putting it in the back of the net, but, uh, you know, the quality of chances is, uh, it's debatable, I think. But, uh, you know, we're getting less and less uh, one-on-ones where it is a clear cut. I think we're having to maybe, uh, you know, beat too many men, uh, or if it's, you know, there's not enough uh, runners with us, and so those type of chances in the past maybe would have been just a tap in from a square ball because you had another runner with you. Now you don't have that. And uh, because yeah, the risky play that uh, kind of categorized or you know characterized us in the past is not as apparent in this season for sure. So I think maybe I think it's a, a combination of both, but mostly I think it's the finishing is just really not there. Uh, next question comes from Alec C4. How long until we start to worry about PT's form? I'm not overly concerned right now because he scored against Orlando and he has been playing well in the last few matches. It's just been a bit inconsistent. And that's one of the things that you're gonna struggle with, with a player adapting to a new country, new system, Still not fully fit. I think he's still probably carrying a lot of fatigue on some tired legs, but also not getting a lot of calls. Uh, he's not I mean, getting calls. Yeah, that's that. I mean, he does he go down easy at times? Yes. yes, absolutely. That being said, does he deserve a bit more in terms of protection from the officials? Yes, absolutely, yeah. because he is getting fouled. I, again, I, I think yeah, MLS is weird. MLS man. is really like, weird about that. I think it just they, comes down to pro, and the referees aren't very good in this league, so they're going to always be inconsistent. So yeah, they, they question if that actually is or isn't, and they want to be wrong. And so exactly. They don't so call it. it's just one of those things where I think that I think we're going to see the best PT Martinez after this international break. With him not going away in Argentina, mm -hmm. he has 25 days. He will get rest. He will get time to recover. He should be able to have more than a few days off of not having to do anything at all. So I think that, the and, and I'm really hoping that he takes this snub and can turn that in, put a chip on his shoulder in a sense, and take that and really start playing at the level that we saw him play for River Plate. And at times you have seen the flashes of brilliance that he has now, where he can take a turn and take three players out of a match and then lash the ball against of the post on, you know, stuff that he's done where he's been so close to it coming off and it just hasn't. Mm -hmm. But you saw the quality of the finish he had against Orlando and the quality's there. It just, it just hasn't had the chance to shine yet. But then yep. again, neither has Atlanta United. Yeah. And also though, if you're expecting him to have a Miguel Miron like work rate, it's just not ever That's gonna not happen. gonna be him. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, if he, uh, is dispossessed, he probably isn't going to try to chase it back, and you probably don't want him to try to chase no. it back because he'll probably yellow card himself, foul uh, just a little cynically, and it just won't really be that beneficial. There's different types of players, and yeah. the players that have engines like Miguel Amaron has are very rare, which yeah. is why when you find them, hold on to them, cherish them, enjoy them while you have them, but they're also gonna end up playing in the Premier League because yeah. that's what you have to have to play in that league. And that's why Miguel Almiron's playing for Newcastle United now. Exactly. Uh, next question comes from Sam Holeman, seven. Where do you think Parkhurst fits best on this team? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I mean, he's he's been decent at left back, but he's not a left back. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's kind of like a square peg round hole thing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think at this point it's, Unfortunately, he's on the bench because he's Miles Robinson yeah. is mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. and 
LGP is better, so he's a and rotation guy. Yeah, they're, they're, exactly. He's a rotation guy. He's, uh, you know, uh, I think he can competently play every one of the positions, and that's what you really need as well. Um, and he's a you know great leadership guy. Uh, I think that's yeah. Just the unfortunate part. I think it's his age. You know, it's uh, at this point in time. He's not going to unseat, even if he is playing even better, I, we're having to look forward to the future. I mean, yeah. we have to blood in, uh, you know, some younger guys that, uh, you know, are need need and beg that playing time. And look what's happened with Miles Robinson once he's gotten it. I mean, yeah. who, who at the beginning of the season expected him to develop this way? I, pretty much no one, but now he's... We saw the glimpses of it last season. But to the level he's playing yeah. at and the consistency he's playing it at... I don't think anyone really expected him to be playing this well, to be saying, this man deserves to be on the U.S. Men's National Team roster for the Gold Cup. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something, an expectation many fans would have had going into this season. And again, I've said it before and I'll say it again, that's the one thing that Frank DeBoer has gotten right from the get-go, is his trust and his development of Miles Robinson. Because yes, again, he had a bad match against Herediano, but everyone did. But since then, he's improved every single match and continued to get better and better and better. And he's looking like a player that, if he keeps improving at the rate that he's improving, he won't be playing in MLS very long because he has the ability, he has the athletic size and talent and pace, and the technical ability on the ball as well as his reading of the game improves every single match. Yeah. So he's a player that you could easily see playing in Europe at some point in time in the next few years. Possibly. I mean, it's just a matter of, uh, I mean, right now, like the most notable guy is Matt Miazga, and yeah, he's kind of sitting on the bench uh, for his team. And, you know, I think so... You know, the trust in American players at the moment isn't fantastic. Miazga made the move way too soon, though, as far as I'm concerned. Probably, and he went to the absolute wrong club for developing youth of talent. Probably. Let's be realistic. Chelsea's not the place you'd say, oh, yeah. I'm going to go there and play for the first team one day. So, not. yeah. So the Pulisic thing is going to be interesting to see as yeah, well. Yeah, that'll be but, fun. Uh, that's a topic for not the show. But uh, last question comes from Mario Martinez, 1722. How do you think the lineup will be when Barco comes back? I think he'll play on the left. I think P Oh, actually, I think him or PT will basically rotate, I think, in terms of their positioning on the pitch, yeah. if you can get that right, because Barco is really good everywhere, as yeah. far as I've seen. Barco is probably, uh, more ideally, probably your 10, um, I think. It's just a matter of PT, you know, his best position so far has been as the 10. And so it's one of the two has to relinquish that position a little but bit. But both have also yeah. been used to operating in wide huh? spaces. And the thing is, is that Barco will come back basically as the international break gets started. So if you can get him and PT training together to figure yeah. out when they can interchange, because right. as far as I'm concerned, I think that whoever that three uh, man like attacking midfield is behind Joseph Martinez, I want them to be able to be fluid. I think Frank DeBoer would like them to be fluid because that's kind of the total football concept. Yeah. If they have the ability and the chemistry to develop to yeah. be able to move in and out and change positions, mm -hmm. that will make Atlanta United incredibly hard to defend against because you don't know which player is going to pop up where. And whether it's Julian Gressel or Tito Bijaba playing along with them, mm -hmm. all of them are talented in their own different ways. And that will make Atlanta United incredibly difficult to come up against, predict, and defend. And if they can do that, Joseph Martinez will get a lot more chances and this team will finally start scoring some goals. Yeah, and I think though, the defensive assignments that they have, I think is also important. So that's where, you know, Ezekiel Barger probably from the left in covering a Shea or whomever is playing, if it's a Parkey as well, he offers a little bit more than a PT does. So whomever is playing left back isn't left out on an island. Uh, I think that's where Ezekiel Barco, if coming back, that's probably where he should be. Because uh, PT in the middle, I mean, that's where the 10 position can uh, be carried. Yeah, can be carried. You don't have to have a guy that uh, is like Mikel Monroe always striking back. And then on the right, you know, if it's Tito, if it's Gressel, I you're going to get the work right. Exactly. Either. They're, they're both going to run their socks off. So. And that's the thing is that you wish that you could have, like, say, maybe a PT playing on the right to cut it in on his left foot, but. He's not the type of player you can do that with when you have Franco Escobar bombing down the right every side. That means there is going to be space for days in that position. Although, if you get good enough, maybe you can allow yourself to have that opportunity because Miles Robinson's aggressive and quick enough and able to read the game good enough to clean up that space. But that's a risky thing that Frank DeBoer has shown he's not really willing to do. 
Yeah, probably not at this time. But that does it for the mailbag. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your questions in the future. Indeed. Uh, this is a fun bit, because usually this next segment, we haven't had it too much this season, but usually it's him introducing it to me for me to have a little bit of a rant. But this time, it's a, the other way around. AJ, Wasteman of the Week time. Yeah, uh, I think this week, for sure, it's Luis Robles of the New York Red Bulls, their goalkeeper. He pretty much, uh, yeah, he talked about Tito Bijalba's, uh, you know, antics uh, after the match, uh, pretty much, you know, that whole fracas, and he said, quote, the things he was doing didn't really represent the class that I think Atlanta United are, unquote. And that's kind of a backhanded compliment, I think, to begin with, uh, but, this coming from the guy that defended Kaku, who kicked the ball into the stands from point blank range at a uh, paying audience member. Um, and then walked away. And walked away, didn't, you know, he had a little bit of remorse there, but pretty much, you know, having Robles defend this guy, I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, Luis Robles is a bit of a dickhead on this yeah. one. And in terms of that, uh, you know, also defending Kamar Lawrence, who's screaming at a player who's on the ground uh, and did the baby motion and all that. Like, yeah, you know, I think, like I said earlier, like the passion is good, but, you know, in terms of uh, this being better than the other, I mean, all Tito Bijabo did really was, you know, get up, talk to Kamar Lawrence, uh, you know, maybe be shouting and whatnot. But I think that's, I think when you are antagonized, I think, uh, you know, it's pretty fair for you to, uh, Kind of bark hard, back. It's kind of hard so, for you to defend the instigator and say it was the receiving yeah. party's problem that started the whole thing. It's I like, think no. Ultimately, what makes him the waste man is that because he thinks that the raising of the cup motion is uh, not the uh, the class that uh, he thinks that we are. Well, that pretty much shows the class where we are because we are a cup winning side and you are not. Yeah, and he's been in the league quite a while, and he still hasn't won one, so sucks to suck, Waste Man of the Week. Exactly. So, Luis Robles, you are the Waste Man of the Week. So, let's get on and move past that into the match preview for Real Salt Lake. And uh, it is Friday, it is 9 p.m., and it's at Rio Tinto Stadium. And I think it's on a Friday probably because of the Memorial Day weekend, and so... Uh, again, we have only four days rest. At least it's one more day of rest for uh, for us. Woohoo! But um, in terms of back a, across the country again, exactly. I mean, just uh, more and more travel. But at least getting those sky miles. Exactly right. I guess uh, if they're using the same, if they're always using Delta, then maybe it, uh, you know it's good for their their mileage there. But um, yeah, Atlanta United, of course, have uh, yeah one loss in their last six. All the other ones are W's, of course. And then you have Real Salt Lake with kind of a pretty hot form. I mean, pretty much in their last six, they have four wins, two losses. Uh, yeah, quite good as well. In our previous matchups against them, it was that 3-1 win away in 2017 that I believe uh, we saw Brandon Vasquez score his very first uh you know his MLS, uh, you know debut goal, and uh, essentially, I mean, yeah, he, de I think, yeah, he debuted and then he scored like moments after. Uh, in 2018, it was at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, two nil. Uh, it, they had that documentary. I, I, if I recall, everyone realized that Mike Pecky <laughs> knew nothing about tactics or how to coach a soccer team. It was yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, but um, but he is a character in this league, that's for sure. Yes. Um, but uh, that you can't take away from him. But, um, yeah, and so, uh, well, you know, I guess if he leaves the league, I guess he, we can take that away from him. So He's still a character, I think. He's still a character. <laughs> but uh, in terms of uh, Real Salt Lake's strengths, they uh, have a lot of skillful young players. They uh, really like to shoot from distance, and that's hopefully Worthy. something, yeah, hopefully something that doesn't kind of bite us in the ass. Uh, and they're doing something that we're not doing this year, and they are finishing their scoring chances. And, uh, yeah. That's I mean, not ideal. Not Positives ideal. for Atlanta United is that Real Salt Lake struggles against defending set pieces, although that might not mean anything because Atlanta United are woeful on attacking set pieces. Yeah, uh, we have 74, I believe, set pieces, and we've not scored on any of them this year. That is terrible. Yeah. Terrible. 
Um, also, they are bad at defending against attacks down the wings, so that is a potential place that Atlanta United absolutely could exploit them with players like Tito Bijalba, P.T. Martinez, Gressel. and Julian Gressel. They are yeah. all going to pop up in spaces, even Franco a Franco Escobar, Escobar yeah. overlapping. Mm -hmm. Also, they tend to make a lot of individual errors, and they foul in dangerous areas. So that's something that Atlanta United, with the players they we just mentioned, should mm -hmm. be able to take advantage of. I'd love to see a score from a set piece or a direct free kick to see P.T. Martinez bury something, but as of yet, that hasn't happened. And one thing that they do happen to do a lot on the attacking end is get caught offside. So if you remember that match against Orlando, could look a little something similar to that in terms of them constantly seeing that flag go up from the linesman. Right, and so uh, I think for them, you know, they're a team that uh, will be aggressive. They will be trying to play against us, especially at home. Uh, they will be looking to score, and I think that is something that could play into our hands a little bit more. But uh, getting into you know this match though, um, you know, some of the match facts are that. Yes, there have been under two and a half goals in 12 of our last 14 games. That's, uh, yeah, not a good record I thought there. we were supposed to be winning games four to three, AJ. <laughs> but uh, I think it's definitely already changed. Uh, if you didn't think it was going to change, uh, you know, like PT coming in, Tata leaving, DeBoer coming in, it was always going to change. True. It's just a matter of how much of a change. Positives. On the flip side of that, yep. there have been over two and a half goals scored in Real Salt Lake's last six games. So something's got to give, right? Yeah. Nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope not, but uh, let's get to those keys in this match then. Or actually, let's get to their players to watch first. Um, yeah, that attacking midfielder of theirs. This attacking midfield is just good. It's true. But uh, yeah, Albert Rosnack, I mean, he is doing quite well this season. Five goals, one assist in 11 appearances already. Um, yeah, he pulls the strings. He's their number 10. He also has a nasty shot from distance. He's I'm a Kenny operator. Yeah. He is, if you had to pick one player that was going to beat Atlanta United, it would probably be Albert Rusnak. Yeah. This dude is the best player on their team as far as I'm concerned, and he has been balling out so far this season, and has been one of the reasons why they've won four of their last six matches. Indeed. Uh, another guy, Jefferson Savarino, uh, their left winger, two goals, one assist in 11 appearances. Uh, yeah, I mean, he... He's one of the reasons why the wings are a bit susceptible yeah. because he is very skillful and dangerous going forward, mm -hmm. but he's not one of the guys that works super hard on the way back. So right. if he does get at the pitch and maybe they push a fullback up, you could attack down that right-hand side. Exactly. I, I fancy United. a Franco Escobar in this match for sure, uh, getting in behind a lot. Hopefully he can. Uh, another guy is Sebastian Saucedo, their right winger, and uh, one goal, two assists, and ten appearances. Uh, likes a long shot, and uh, yeah, maybe are not able to attack that side as much. And so I think he's the opposite of Saffarino in that he yeah. tracks back quite a bit, and he's not too shabby in defense. And then you also have Sam Johnson, who's got four goals and ten appearances this season as a forward as well. He is also from Liberia. As is Darlington Nagney, so there's a little interesting connection between the two of them. Yeah. So those are some players to watch. All of them are attackers because, well, that's what they're good at. Yeah, <laughs> they're quite good at that. Uh, of course, they have Kyle Beckerman as well, but it's a matter He's of... He's an older gent who knows his way about, uh -huh. but I'm much more concerned about those forwards than I am about Kyle Beckerman. In the For field. sure. No disrespect to him, but yeah. he's not the one out here that's going to be banging them in. That being said, he's probably going to score now. Yeah. Uh, and on to the injuries before to the keys of the game. Uh, for us, it's George Bello, who's still out long term. Kevin Kratz is back in training now. It's just a matter of time when he can get into these 18s, I think. And he course, probably will play, if we're being honest, because three central midfielders that yeah, are fit, so then, yeah, he'll at least be on so the bench. Uh, and then Brandon Vasquez, he's still out with that knee injury. So uh, let's get to the keys of the game for Atlanta United. One of the major things, I think, is can we finish those chances? Please, God. This <laughs> is not a team that I want to mess about with, because yeah. if Atlanta United continues its struggles in front of goal, they're going to lose this game. Plain and simple, because as far as I'm concerned, Real Salt Lake are going to score. It's going to happen. They've been in good form. They've won four of their last six. They play well at home. They have talented attacking players. Yeah. If those chances, those half chances fall to them, 
Someone on that team is going to bury one. Brad Guzan hasn't been in great form as far as I'm concerned, minus that game against Orlando, but these players are better than Orlando's. They will take their chances when they get them. They will bury shots from distance. They will test Brad Guzan in every which way. And right now, I'm not sure if he'll be able to keep all of those shots out that will be shot at him during this match. So Atlanta United has to, has to take their chances when they get to them. Uh -huh. Because if they don't score, they will not take any points from this match. Right. And uh, another part is if Atlanta United can get back on track after a loss, I mean, last season we had a really stellar record from uh, a losing losing a match and then either at least uh, you know getting a draw or a win. Most of the time, it after. was a win. Yeah, and so I think you know we need to get back to those ways, and hopefully we can in this match. Uh, but you know those tired legs. Hopefully after those two days of rest after. Uh, the New York Red Bulls match, yeah, maybe uh, it will do a world of good, but in terms of the tactics, hopefully they uh, really cram them in on that Wednesday and Thursday, and then, you know, I, I think they're going to fly in probably on that Thursday, so it's... They'll probably fly out Thursday night, and so that gets into it again, and that, how will Atlanta deal with yet another cross-country trip? This will yep. be their fourth time, because you went to Vancouver, yep. back to mm -hmm. New York, back, and now across to... So yeah, a lot of flying is involved here, and... The thing is, is that it'll be nine o'clock, but it's in the West Coast, so it'll be 10 o'clock here because they don't do daylight savings time in the mountain region, I believe, or something like that. So it's either be 10, 11, I forget off the top of my head. Point is, is that it'll be late for these players. Yeah. And again, it is a long flight, it is travel, and that's something that you don't have to deal with in a lot of places around the world. And for Atlanta United to have three road games in a row and all this travel, is it a mm -hmm. real excuse? Yes and no. But in this case, this is the last game of a three-game road trip. It's going to be tough on them, and it's against a team in good nick. It's not going to be a simple game. It's really not going to be easy, but uh, that gets us to our predicted starting 11. Let's go through line by line. I think, of course, Guzan is going to be between the sticks. Uh, I think Escobar still uh, is going to prevail here at right back because I think you know the four days rest I think is enough here. Uh, to give him a run out, and I think you have a little bit more of a break afterwards. I think you play Escobar. Uh, your center backs? Miles Robinson and LGP still. Um, mm -hmm. I think if you saw a player rotated, it might be LGP this match for a Pogba because he hasn't been rotated yet in this road trip. True. But that being said, if he's fit and he's playing well, you do have those multiple days off. I think that he will start this match yeah. because, well, he's the best other center back you got next to Miles Robinson. As good as Pogba was, this isn't the match that I'd play him in because yeah. he will be facing a lot of pressure and I'd rather have LGP who's much more comfortable, much more confident. Much has, more match fit. And has that, has that chemistry with the rest of the team there. And then left back, that's the one where it's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, so in terms of their right, right winger, you know, he doesn't get forward as much. So you can kind of have a little bit of reprieve. I think uh, you need another really stout defender here because of... Uh, just how much you're you're covering in terms of uh, just through young, you know, really uh, you know shot guy uh, guys that like to shoot from distance. Uh, you need a brave defender, and I think it's a Michael Parker's tier. Um, you know, there there has been some matches that Breck Shea has been very very good in. He was in very good against Vancouver. Yeah, but I think this match, I think uh, with a little bit more uh, going forward from them overall, maybe not on his side, but. Uh, he can at least help out in that regard. I think it's Michael Parker's. You? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's yeah. Michael Parker's on this. One. Um, and he got subbed early against Red Bulls as well. So yeah, exactly. He should be fit. I think yeah. If you see that we need more going forward, then you might see a Breck Shea and you know, you know, vice versa. But uh, also into the midfield, I think it's Nagby and Rometty. It's gotta be. Yeah, Rometty coming in for uh, Larry, and I think it's uh, you know, uh, where you know we can probably. Put a little bit more pressure on them instead of maybe. I think Rometty will be playing very close to Albert Rosnack most of this match. Yeah. I think he'll kind of do a job like you've seen him do in terms of man marking that mm -hmm. he did. Like Morales. Yes. Yeah, like he have. did in the Toronto game. <laughs> yeah. You'll see him doing a bit more of the man marking, trying to take Rosnack out of the match and he, I think he'll still go forward, but I think you need as much energy, pace, dynamism, and work rate in midfield as you can get in yeah. this match because I think it will be open. It will be up and down. Yeah. And as good as Jeff Lorenowitz is, he's more suited against a team that's going to sit deep where he doesn't have to do as much running, where he can dictate play, sit deep, mm -hmm. recycle the ball. This is not going to be one of those matches. It's mm -hmm. going to be high. It's going to be intense. I think this is a perfect match for both Darlington Nagby and Eric Rometty to really show what they can do in midfield. Yeah. 
it, not <laughs> like I mean they pretty much already showed it already anyway. But I think well no uh, I'm saying in a, in yeah. a in a big game because yeah. this is a big game. This is yeah. an important game, and I think that the two of them this will be a match where their legs and their ability mm -hmm. to move up and down the pitch will mm -hmm. really be highlighted against a high quality opponent where. Yeah. On the road, it'll be tough. I don't know if you expect to get three points in this, but we'll get to that mm -hmm. in a second. But these are two players who I think are two of the better midfielders in MLS. Yeah. And I think this is going to be, again, one of those opportunities to showcase how good of players they are because sometimes maybe you get more caught up with just Arlington Nagby or just Eric Hermetti sure. or even further forward to where you don't think about how much work that these two players do. Mm -hmm. And their work rate will be absolutely vital against a very attacking you know, forward line mm -hmm. from... Real Salt, Salt Lake, Lake. Sure. and they'll have to be able to get up and down the pitch, but because of that and because of how good they are, I think they can do it. Yeah, uh, and to this uh, forward line, I think, uh, yeah, Gressel, PT, and Tito, again, I think with this four days rest, um, yeah, I think, you know, maybe some rotation, uh, you know, in terms of the substitutes should be earlier, um, giving more of them uh, a run out, I think. But, but Real Salt Lake's so good, you you have yeah, to go full strength 11 exactly. against this team. Yeah, and you, you gotta try to score with your, your best players uh, Obviously you that available. means Joseph up top. So mm -hmm. with that, I think this is probably the strongest starting 11 that Atlanta has right now. Yeah. Obviously if Ezekiel Barco is back, he probably starts this match mm -hmm. as well. But in terms of what's available to Frank DeBoer, this is the best he has. And when you're playing against a team that's won four out of six, you want three more points to make this road trip very productive because six out of nine points is not bad at all and it puts you still right with the rest of the teams in the east and you play before them all so you put yeah. a little bit of pressure on them knowing that you're True. tied on points with the dc united mm -hmm. or you're walking right up behind a philadelphia union maybe they have a little bit more pressure on them sometimes that's something that does affect teams if they're not mentally strong so you have to put your you know your best 11 out there i think that's what it is so to get into the odds of this that's where things get interesting because usually it's Atlanta United 60 or so percent, then a draw and then everything else. This match is about as close as they get. Atlanta United to win is at 29 to 20, which is a 40.8% chance to win. The draw is at 12 to five at 29.4% and Real Salt Lake to win is at seven to four or 36.4%. So you have what roughly 4.4% separating the two times as two teams in terms of who's predicted to win. It's pretty much a coin it flip. It is a coin flip. It will be a tough match. It'll be a lot tougher than most five strike fans probably would have imagined because well, you don't really think of Real Salt Lake that much when you think of the good teams out west. You think of a Dallas, of a Houston, of the LA clubs, of the Northwest clubs. But they are an but up they are and coming. There. Yeah. They are there. They have a young team. They've got really good attackers, and it's going to be a tough match for the five stripes. So, how do you see it going? Yeah, uh, I think uh, though, you know, we have been resolute uh, most of the time in defending. It's again our finishing that's been the problem. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit more back and forth, and I think it'll be a little bit more reminiscent of the Orlando City match in that regard. And we just have to make sure that we are more clinical than they are. And I think for us in this, thankfully, we are. And I think it's a 2-1 win for us. For me, I... I think that there will be space for Atlanta United. I think that Atlanta United will benefit because they're gonna be playing in a more open up and down match that suits their skill set and their play style. The problem for me is that even though the defense has been good, it hasn't necessarily been because the opposition attack has been of the highest level and mm -hmm. then just you're just shutting them out. Yeah. No, it's this is a team that has a very good attack that will take chances and I think this is the team with the best attack that Atlanta has faced in the say last seven matches. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a tough one. I think that they are going to score them being Real Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. I'm going for a 2-2. I think the space will be there for Atlanta to get goals but I also think that this Real Salt Lake team is for real. They mm -hmm. are good. They will score. They will take those chances mm -hmm. and it'll be frustrating to not get all three points but when you take into context how they've been playing and the team that they play against which is why they've conceded so many goals this season mm -hmm. it's not the worst result in the world and it is a point and you bring it back home for two more matches before that international break at home and i think you can get points there but for me i'm going for a 2-2 draw all right but uh guys that does that for the match preview and gets us to the question of the day and guys, it is, will Atlanta United be in first place come that international break? Three matches remaining, this Real Salt Lake win, Minnesota on the following Wednesday, and then Chicago on the first. So that's nine points up for grabs with some games in hand on the teams above us. Do you think Atlanta United will be in first place come international break? For me personally, I don't think they will, but I think they're gonna be 
damn close right behind those teams in front of us, which considering how this season's been so far and we haven't found our full stride, might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and that, that'd be a massive boost of confidence going into the national break. So uh, let us know in the comments below what you guys think. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. <laughs>